0: hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of murphy's league today's episode is going to be the typical recap episode going to be recapping everything that happened in week six i'm not going to be covering every single game i'm just going to be covering a a couple key matchups i'm going to start by talking about the undefeated teams who are no longer undefeated the eagles and the niners both went down this weekend so i'm going to start with both of those teams what went wrong where the other teams deserve credit I'm then going to get into just a couple key matchups that's going to include giants and bills. I want to talk about the lions and talk about what they're they've been doing and how well they have been looking. Um, I'm also going to be talking about the chargers and the cowboys. And then finally, I'm going to close it off with my power rankings. I'm just going to do a general huge one take segment for all the matchups. Um, I'm not going to separate actually, maybe I'll just separate the Niners and the Eagles segment, and then I'll talk about key matchups, and then I'll talk about power rankings. So more than likely, there'll be three separate timestamps located down below. If you just want to hear me talk about Niners and Eagles, that'll be the first segment that'll be in a few seconds here. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you just want to hear about some key matchups, you can go ahead and jump to that one as well. I'll make sure to put it down below. And then if you just want to hear my top 10 power rankings, that'll also be located down below. Of course, that'll be the final segment. So. If you get all the way there without skipping to it, I really appreciate you. If not, those timestamps will be located down for you below if you just want to jump straight to it. But with all that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get right into it. all right guys so undefeated no more the philadelphia eagles and the san francisco 49ers both took l's this weekend both very unexpected both were actually touchdown favorites even plus i think i think the niners were like nine and a half point favorites by the time it closed out but let's start with the philadelphia eagles uh obviously they haven't quite looked like themselves all year long they don't quite look as dominant as they did last year obviously last year started off the year eight zero. Uh, ridiculous pace and then ended up losing to the washington commanders at home this year they ended up making it to 5-0 and before they lost to the jets at their place it's the first time in the jets history that they have beaten the philadelphia eagles but let's just start with the defense on the jets part they played really really well in this one they did what they could to keep them in this game i uh, want to give them a lot of credit because they are i don't want to say single-handedly because obviously there were some plays made offensively you got to take advantages of those opportunities when they are presented to you but i mean you got to give the defense a ton of credit in this one they did everything they could forcing a lot of turnovers on this philadelphia offense obviously starts with jalen hurts uh he had three Interceptions himself in this one, I would say the first two weren't egregiously on him just because they were tip drills and there's not a whole lot you can do about that as a quarterback. Obviously, you can be a little nitpicky there, but I'm not going to put that one on him. But the third, that was just a bad decision. That was ugly. He stared down Dallas Goddard the whole time. Uh, Tony Adams ended up making a great break on the ball, picking him off and almost brought it back for six, brought it down to the very goal line. Brees Hall ended up finishing it off and running it in. Of course, that was one of the biggest difference makers in the game, but beyond that, um, there was just nothing going for Philadelphia on the ground. That's obviously a big part of their identity. Want to give the, again, the Jets deserve a lot of credit in that regard. Both linebackers, C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams, are having insane seasons. They were on full display in this one too, flying around all over the place. Not only does C.J. Mosley have a forced fumble on DeAndre Swift in this one, so a total of four turnovers for the Philadelphia Eagles. But Quincy Williams, I want to give him a lot of credit as well because he's a guy that I don't think gets talked enough enough about just in general in the media over the past couple years. But this year in particular, he has especially turned it on. He's playing very, very well. He is a heat seeking missile out there. Really impressive what he's been able to do. And they're really, really big parts amongst this def- this defensive front that uh, the New York Jets walk out every single day, obviously following the formula that Robert Sala had in the San Francisco with, you know, Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner and Aziz Al Al-Shair. all those dudes were beasts over there. Robert Sala has carried over that mentality with just really, really good stud linebackers that can fly across the field. And then of course, they have a monster defensive line in front of them. Jermaine Johnson had another great game in this one. Uh, Bryce Huff continuing to impress and doing a lot of really good things for the Philadelphia, or sorry, for the New York Jets against the Philadelphia Eagles obviously lane johnson went down in this one so that doesn't help by any means and his replacement jack driscoll did struggle in his absence but again um got to give credit to the new york jets for taking advantage of that opportunity not ideal for the philadelphia eagles at all but that brings me to my next point and there was just a lot of missed opportunities by the philadelphia eagles in this one obviously there was a missed 37 yard field goal by jake elliott there was a crucial drop in the third quarter by Devonte smith but beyond that there was just not a whole lot going right for the philadelphia eagles they had a lot of opportunities to put this game away of course jalen hurts that last interception if they could have gotten a first down there and kept the ball rolling clock rolling excuse me you know that would have made a very very big difference in this game so again yes the jets deserve a lot of credit but the eagles they could have done a lot of things differently they haven't quite looked like themselves all year it really all came together in this one against a, a very elite defense and of course you know the question has to be asked can the jets straight up just make the playoffs without aaron Rodgers? can they still you know put their name out there for the rest of the league and get the respect they deserve because this defense we know how good they can be it was just a question of can their offense just keep them afloat zach wilson didn't play particularly well in this one but hey it's not like he had any interceptions in this one he did what they had to do to win the game not the best place balls but garrett wilson is fantastic he is a very very good receiver in this league and again they did just enough to get it done with their defense leading the way, which is looking like it is one of the best in the entire league. Super impressive stuff, what they were able to do against the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't forget they did it without Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, which just makes it all the more impressive. Of course, AJ Brown was at the benefit of Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed being out in this one. He had a very good game as an individual performance, but again, as a team, they didn't do enough to get it done. Uh, there's blame to be pointed in multiple directions. Again, I mentioned it, Devonte Smith with some bad drops in this one, Jake Elliott missed a field goal. Jalen hurts made some mistakes in this one. And that's really what it came down to. When you have four turnovers, it's really, really hard to win a game. The fact that there were four turnovers in this game, and it was even still this close really is telling to how good the Philadelphia Eagles are and how they can be competitive with anybody in the entirety of the league. But at the end of the day, just too many missed opportunities, too many, you know, too many times the ball was given to the opponent. Sorry, something just distracted me really crazy outside my window. Um, (laughs) I don't even want to try and describe it, but Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers, the other undefeated team that went down this weekend. First, again, just like the Jets, the Browns defense deserves a lot of credit in this one. They had a fantastic game. Their defensive line has been playing extremely well all year long, and this was easily their biggest test. They lived up to it, absolutely played fantastic against Trent Williams and those other guys along this offensive line. Obviously Trent got beat up in this one, so not ideal straight off the bat from the Niners perspective. But I mean, Purdy was pressured on 45% of his dropbacks nonetheless. The weather didn't do him any favors in this one. It was raining at the beginning of this game, and he was struggling with that a lot. The ball slipped out of his hands one or two times, it looked like in this one. One of them was a blatant fumble. The other was just, it looked like his hand was already going forward for a pass, and it kind of just slipped out of his hand. Um, again, weather played a factor in this one, but hey that's going to happen in these games weather is going to be a factor in football games you can't always anticipate the weather to be perfect no matter what and again the niners only put up 215 yards in this one that's the lowest in the shanahan area which when you really think about it that's a really really crazy stat just given who Shanahan has had on his team at times. Obviously, Shanahan has dealt with a plethora of injuries along this San Francisco team. He's dealt with guys like Nick Mullins at quarterback, uh, to name a few, CJ Brethard, guys like that. So it really is crazy to think that after all that time and now with this offense and all the offensive power, firepower they had, excuse me, They only put up 215 yards. Yes, Christian McCaffrey did go down in this one. Yes, Debo Samuel did go down as well. They had some key injuries. Like I mentioned, Trent Williams was dealing with a little bit of an injury. But again, it's still on the Niners to get it done with what you have. Injuries happen in this league. And I know that those are serious impact players. But at the end of the day, this shit's going to happen. And I'm glad to hear that none of those injuries are very major. It sounds like every single one of those guys are day-to-day and might even have a chance to play on monday night for each one of those guys so i'm really glad to hear that and again i just want to say the niners they missed some opportunities in this one of course you got to give credit to the browns defense they were extremely elite in this one but purdy has his worst game as an as a niner and honestly it really wasn't close um he just did not play well at all not a very good completion rate obviously mentioned the yards earlier not a whole lot of those um only 107 passing yards total 108 yards along the ground. So, again, not very good there. Less than a 50% completion rate for Brock Purdy. And even when they were up, going back to the missed opportunities point, when they were up 17 to 13 late, they had a 25 second three and out. If they could have drained the clock there a little more and even put up another field goal, who knows? It might not, you know, fully secure the game, but it would put it a lot more out of reach of the browns that didn't end up happening they ended up punting. the browns ended up scoring obviously we all know what happened jake moody ends up missing the kick at the end of the game his second missed kick of the game um which led to you know that was the difference in the game was those missed field goals and if you're a niners fan you have to be feeling extremely frustrated by the call at the end of this game uh where there was a defensive pass interference that probably wasn't a defensive pass interference they also called a uh, defenseless receiver hit which that one i could see as a fan how you get frustrated for it but at the end of the day like that's the the nfl has made it explicit they're trying to crack down on those kind of things they want to lower concussion rates he did leave his feet he did launch himself at a defenseless receiver that one i can't get too mad about the defensive pass interference I think there's definitely an argument there to be, to be mad, especially if you're a Niners fan, uh, obviously you never want to see any game be decided by a penalty. But again, you had a chance at the end of the game to win it at the end of the day, Jake Moody just has to put it in on that 41 yard chip shot, or I think it was 41 yards. If I'm not mistaken, um, either way, he's gotta be able to put it away. That is literally your first pick in this year's draft. Third round pick was used on the guy. You really expect him to get it done. Uh, again, really disappointing to the end of the game for the Niners fans. Got to give the Browns defense a lot of credit because they are legit. They were all over the Niners offense in this game. And I still think at the end of the day, the Niners are going to be just fine. I think if anything, this was more of a statement um, from the Browns to the rest of the league that they are very legit. You know, Miles Garrett, one of, if not the best defensive player in all of football right now. And this Browns defense is just, has a lot to prove and they proved it to the rest of the world and it really all starts with this defensive line loved what they did in free agency adding Dalvin Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith those dudes have been big real big difference makers for the Cleveland Browns so far but with all that being said that leaves you know that's all I have to say about the two undefeated teams going down let's talk about some key matchups now All right, guys, so the first key matchup I want to cover is the Giants versus the Bills. I almost don't know where to start in this one because it was just such an unexpected game straight from the get-go. I mean, first off, the Giants defense did not look remotely like this through their first five weeks of the season. I believe they were 29th in points per game against the Bills were, I have it down here, I believe they were 4th in their third in points per game. So it looked like the perfect matchup for the bills at home in prime time under the lights. It looked like they were going to, you know, come out firing and this game could have gone out of hand very quickly. That did not end up being the case. Josh Allen did not look like himself to start the game started with a terrible QBR only a 50% completion rate at halftime, a little over 80 yards by that point as well. And I want to give a lot of credit and a big shout out to Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden. Those dudes were everywhere for the New York Giants in this game. That tandem in the linebacker position, Wink Martindale had them schemed up very, very well, but hey, they were making plays on their own as well. Um, The fact that, I mean, just Okereke by himself, a forced fumble, 11 tackles, two of those for lost, and then had the tipped ball that McFadden picked off. So that duo at linebacker, played outstanding barbie okara in particular he was playing lights out in this game showing why they paid him a big bag this offseason i wasn't too huge on that sounding but at the same time i i could kind of understand why they did it i thought it was a little bit of an overpay but he really showed his value in this game he played fantastic but i want to say this is a game and a perfect example of why i think the bills are pretenders i didn't really think there were going to be legitimate contenders coming into this year because frankly this is the same old bills we've seen in years past it's a new year same bills where they're just way too reliant on josh allen and Stephon diggs far too dependent on those guys and i think josh can just be really careless with the football at times he tries to do too much he tries to play hero ball and of course sometimes it works out and sometimes you have games like you know that chiefs divisional game a couple years ago where if you don't have josh on as your quarterback you don't even have a remote shot to have an opportunity to win that game but at the same time there's games like the jets in week one where it's just like there's some terrible decision making and there's um carelessness with the football that can easily cost you some games obviously it didn't end up making the difference in this one they still ended up getting it done but josh allen does deserve a lot of blame in this one for it even being as close as it was um the first half in particular it was not looking good at all for him he was just making dumb plays trying to do too much trying to extend the play when he wasn't there stuff like that where it's just it's avoidable things that feel like you can coach out of him but at the same time it's tough because it's this fine line and you have to walk mahomes is really the best example of this where mahomes we really knew him as a gunslinger and especially you know to start off his career but he limited his mistakes so well obviously there was a really bad example of this in the broncos game on thursday night where he threw a really bad pick in that game but generally speaking that doesn't really happen with mahomes too often he's very smart with the football despite him also being able to make the big play when it's there josh allen doesn't really quite have that where he you need to let him loose because you need to have him confident and you need to be able to make him you know allow him to make that big play you don't want him to be playing conservative because that's what makes josh allen so amazing he can make so many Amazing, superhuman-like throws, but with that comes some turnovers and you know comes some downside. I think there's a middle ground where they still need to find. I still want to see more from their run game. James Cook had some moments in this game, but it really felt like they got away from it too often. Excuse me. <clears throat> and again, I just think they're too reliant on stefan Diggs. That was the weakest little cough. I thought it was gonna be a lot, lot worse. But. Yeah, I just, that's why I do get concerned about the bills in this one. I still love a lot of their personnel. I still love what they're able to do along the defensive line. I love the rotation they have and some of those pieces there. Um, but overall, I just think until they find a more balanced offense and more of a short game and more of a quick game, I don't think that this team is going to be able to compete with the chiefs. I've just seen too much from them, even the dolphins right now. And I know they beat the brakes off the dolphins just a few weeks ago, um, But, I mean, if you play that game over again in Miami, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami finds a way to get it done, especially with how well that coaching staff is coaching up right now. Mike McDaniels, obviously one of the best head coaches in the entire league right now and has been since he's, you know, joined that team down there. But we need to talk about, before I get off of this game, we need to talk about the very last play of the game. Excuse me. Because as a whole, I think the league just needs to be more consistent with his calls. But this call was particularly egregious to me. I don't get how you're going to call the third and six or whatever it was, third and nine, I believe it was, before that as a hold against Darren Waller and then not call the one on the final play. And it's not like, I know people are saying like, oh, well, they got the call on the one before, so they're not going to call that one. That's not how it should work. You shouldn't just situationally call or, you know, Throw flags when it feels appropriate, given like the game script, or given you know, oh, we kind of messed up and we didn't give him this call last time, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt and throw one here. That's just not how good officiating works, in my opinion. Um, it feels like that's how they were officiating this game. It felt like one of those things where, like, oh, let's get him back here because we didn't um, give him that call earlier. And what I mean by that is the Darren Waller, you know third and nine I believe it was towards the end of the game not the last play of the game but the one before that where they ended up calling a hold didn't really feel like too much of a hold to me and it kind of felt like the refs were just reluctant to throw that flag on the last play of the game because they realized that they probably shouldn't have called the first flag but at the end of the day that's not how officiating should work if you mess up you mess up life goes on don't compound a mistake by making it worse and then causing another mistake because in my opinion That was a blatant miscall at the end of the game, there, and the Giants would have had one more opportunity to win this thing. Obviously, it would have been one play. You don't know what would have happened at the end of the play or if they get it done. So, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, the Giants got robbed of a game, but I will say they got robbed of an opportunity to win this game. And just for entertainment's sake, just as a fan's sake, it would have been really cool to see Tyrod Taylor, former Buffalo Bill, took him to the playoffs, you know, five years ago, whatever it was, go into six years ago by now, I believe. Go into Buffalo and get a win in prime time when absolutely no one is expecting them to win. Of course, there's a lot of other factors in this one. You can say the Giants, you know, miss some opportunities themselves, particularly at the end of the first half when there was only a few seconds left on the clock. Tyrod Taylor sounds like he audible to a run play. They ended up running out of time and couldn't even kick a field goal. You know, they could have gone up nine nothing potentially even 13 nothing but it just ended up staying as six that was a huge difference in this game again i'm not in the liquor locker room there liquor room i'm not in the locker room there i don't know exactly uh what the call was or what happened but from what i've heard it sounded like it was an option play um but the matter of fact is there's there's there should be no option to switch to a run there. When you're gonna run out of time, anyways, just throw the ball out of the back of the end zone, give your opportunity, or excuse me, give your field goal unit an opportunity to put it in before the half. And they missed out on at least three points, potentially even seven. So again, that's a missed opportunity. You could definitely say that makes a difference in this game, but again, it doesn't really take back the fact that I think there was an egregious missed call at the end of the game and i just need to address it because as a fan i think it was a bunch of bullshit, and i think the giants should have gotten one more chance now let's talk about the detroit lions they played the tampa bay buccaneers this week and tampa i've just been waiting for them to come back down to earth a little bit they it's funny they've looked a lot better on the road than they've looked at home which of course is not very typical of nfl teams but we've seen it before it has happened uh i still don't expect you know the baker mayfield comeback story to be you know as sweet as it has been to start off this year it's fun don't get me wrong whoa sorry about that that was loud as shit um it's been fun don't get me wrong i'm rooting for him as a person i'm always like wishing guys the best you know i never want to see someone fail but at the end of the day i just wasn't really buying into this whole tampa bay three and one thing um now they're starting to come back down to earth a little bit but I really want to talk about the Lions in this game, I don't want to focus too much on the Buccaneers because not only is Jared Goff playing really, really well right now, but this defense is showing us that they're very legit and here to stay. We already knew how good this offensive line was and we talked about it a ton last season, we talked about it this off season, but their defensive line really was a big X factor coming into this year. and. They're proving that they're a really, really good, tough unit. They're young and getting better. And it doesn't just end there. They have a young linebacker unit, you know, obviously drafted a guy in Jack Campbell, added him to that unit. And their secondary, also very young. Not only did they add in the draft with Brian Branch, who's looked phenomenal, but Cam Sutton has been playing really well for them. CJ Gardner-Johnson is going to be back soon. Uh, Sucks to see Emmanuel Mosley go out for the season. But at the end of the day, They have improved from last year excuse me and a lot of these additions have really paid off in a big way for him so i mean the lions have just built this team very very well they're playing really really good football want to give a lot of credit to their offensive coordinator again i already said jared goff has been playing very well he's distributing the ball very well but i love the uh, way that ben johnson has been dialing up plays for jared goff it just seems like they're on the exact same page right now Obviously again, I'm not in the building, I'm not an expert, but from just watching the film and you know, seeing some of the trends in this offense, Jared Goff is getting through his progressions very, very well. Of course it helps that he's well protected by this offensive line. But again, he seems to know the playbook very well, very in sync with his offensive quarter almost never looks confused out there, has been limiting his turnovers very, very well, had a very, very good game through the air against a really tough secondary and just a really tough defense in Tampa. I think they're still a little bit underrated there. Um, so he's been playing really, really great football. And I just think that kind of leads us to the next question is can they really contend in the nfc i mean obviously i still think most people would consider them the third best team in the nfc right now but i mean god forbid if there's any injuries that happen along the eagles or the Niners squads that could definitely you know put the lions right in there with them Um, I'm really just happy for this team. Even as a Bears fan, it's really cool to see the Niners be successful or not Niners, excuse me, see the Lions be successful and have this kind of, you know, winning culture about them now. Obviously five and one tied for the best record in the entirety of the NFL. But I just got to give them a lot of credit. They've built this team very well. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson leaving the way along their defensive line, Pinay Sewell, and some other veteran guys along their offensive line has been playing very well. Kind of similar to, and of course, I they were just in the Super Bowl a year ago, so this is very high praise, but in the way that the team is built and the way that they win football games, a very similar vibe to the Philadelphia Eagles where they can just beat you however you want them to beat you you know you you need it to be a slugfest and defensively they need to you know get down and dirty and stop the run they can do that do they need to cover a bunch of receivers in the back end they can do that too do they need to run the ball they can do that do they need to pass the ball and keep up and put points on the board guess what Amon Ra is going to catch 12 catches go for 100 plus and jared goff's just going to make the right decisions with the ball the lions deserve so much credit right now i'm really happy for them and their fans really excited what they've been able to do but let's move on to the last game i want to cover let's talk about chargers versus cowboys obviously i'm kind of a secondary chargers fan because of the Ecklers. shout out austin shout out cole shout out all you guys um but so this was tough this was tough i will say that i i almost expect this from every chargers game where it's just like it's gonna be rough they're probably gonna lose in horrific fashion this game was frankly no different and honestly It won't totally show up in the stat sheet but the chargers honestly got absolutely dominated up front this cowboys defensive line is so damn good and it goes beyond micah parsons micah parsons had a relatively quiet micah parsons game he was getting a lot of pressure he only had one sack in this one um but it was really osa odigizua and demarcus lawrence that played out of their minds in this one and again the stats aren't going to show it because it's not like they had a whole lot of sacks they had one sack as a team they only had like Three or four tackles for loss, but the pressure was so consistent. And even beyond the pressure, they were forcing the chargers into really bad penalties. The you know, you expect that stuff to be avoidable from the Chargers' point of view, but that's also the Cowboys being good and forcing their hands and winning so quickly that the Chargers were placed in positions where It's either this guy's gonna blow out the play or I hold him. They ended up holding in a few of those situations. I wanna say in particular, Osa Odigizua out of UCLA, defensive tackle, great game. Really, really impressive stuff for him in the interior of this defensive line. He was a monster for the Cowboys this weekend, I guess yesterday on Monday, recording this on a Tuesday as we speak. (laughs) But I also want to say, the chargers just when will they stop getting slashed by big plays they finally fixed this issue that's been their kryptonite for the past couple years and it was their run defense their run defense was atrocious over the past couple years continuously getting slashed along the ground and it looked like they'd finally fixed that they dealt with the run really well against miami which almost no team in the nfl has been able to do thus far um they've you know dealt with guys like josh jacobs they've had A lot of opportunities to stop the run and some good running offenses and they've showed up in most of these games they did it again in this one tony pollard almost got nothing going along the ground at all in this one but the difference was a couple big plays i want to say in particular that tony pollard catch and run where the broken tackle then he runs it off for 60 plus yards that was really one of the biggest differences in this game and again you can't always attribute it to one play but you kind of can in a lot of ways you know you can it's easy to say like, oh, there are missed opportunities and there were flags. And, you know, I've been saying it a ton throughout this episode. It's not always going to come down to one play and there was missed opportunities. And so it's easy to just say, oh, as a cop out, all oh, this penalty missed, you know, lost us the game or, oh, this missed field goal lost us the game. And yeah, that's true. There are times where that ends up being the case. And if that one play was different, but at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of other plays on a football field in any given game. And the Chargers just missed opportunities at times, weren't particularly good on third down, had too many penalties on third down. And of course, that Tony Pollard one play was a huge difference maker in this one. Cowboys were backed up. Looked like they were about to get to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott made a really good read, threw it back across his body, which is normally a no-no, no. but hey, Tony Pollard was open, and then there's Tony Pollard just being Tony Pollard. It's extremely dynamic in open space. Broke a tackle from Michael Davis and just took off. Ended up, you know, not scoring, but getting really close to the, to the goal line was in the red zone for the Cowboys. And again, that was just a big difference in this game. We've seen this time and time again throughout the Chargers season where the big play has really what's been gashing them. They've been doing really well along you know, the defensive line as far as running the football. They've honestly been pretty decent defending the pass, but then they'll just have one really big play that'll end up you know, making the stats look a lot worse than they are and give the teams momentum to take the lead. Uh, that was the case in this last game. And of course, as a secondary Chargers fan, it was extremely disappointing to watch. But with all that being said, let's get into some power rankings all right so this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than usual but frankly i don't know if you can hear it i'm like a little under the weather it's nothing crazy uh but i also just have some homework i got to do and stuff like that so that's why this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than usual and i'm sorry about that but i hope you understand let's get into my top 10 power rankings i will say before i get into number 10 because i was really on the fence about number 10 and honestly number nine too uh number nine some of you guys might think I'm tripping out for having them this high, but frankly, I don't care. I don't want to count them out. Um, there's two teams I want to talk about before I get into my top 10 though. First off is the Cleveland Browns I already talked about them a lot earlier in this episode, so I'm not going to cover them too extensively, but this defensive line in particular is looking like one of the best in the entirety of the NFL, possibly the best in the entirety of the NFL. Um, this defense has been doing them so many favors all year long. They've held Joe Burrow to three points, you know, they they just beat the San Francisco 49ers, who were the second highest scoring offense in the league. This defense is fantastic, and their offensive line is really good too. You know, really strong running game, which keeps them in every single game they are in. Also want to say the Seattle Seahawks barely made the list. If they beat the Cincinnati Bengals in their place this past weekend, they will most certainly be in the top 10. I still think they're a really damn good football team. None of their stats really jump off the page. I was kind of surprised by just how middle of the road their offense and defenses are in terms of points per game and yardage totals. But I just love the Seattle Seahawks and what they've done as far as through the draft process. I love a ton of their young players. I think that their ceiling is... Re- are, maybe not even their ceiling necessarily because i don't think they're going to contend with some of these teams in the nfc but their floor is extremely high again i've mentioned it a couple times on this podcast but the fact that they went into detroit and won that game and that's detroit's only loss on the season is just a perfect representation of you can never count out seattle geno is still a top 10 quarterback in this league and a lot of defensive players make really great plays even though dk metcalf do need to stop Stop just getting in his own head and stop getting in his own way. Stop shoving people, dude. Like, we get it. You're strong. You're ripped. Chill out, bro. There's so many penalties that it's just like, what are we doing? Why are we losing our mind here? It's like, calm down. And I will say, um, Seattle, they could have done a lot better on third down and in the red zone. You know, those golden opportunities. They did not come up clutch against Cincinnati this past weekend. But I think that has to be given. um, Excuse me. I think credit has to be given to Cincinnati in that case because their defensive Front has been really good in the past. Their secondary has been really good in the past. Didn't really show up at the beginning of the year this year. They showed up big against Seattle this past weekend. Looked a lot like themselves, um, you know, over years past. It's been a huge part of their identity, and they finally got some of that going this past week against Seattle. So, got to give them a lot of credit there. But with all that being said, let's get into number 10, a team that's really not being talked about at all, or at least not enough in my opinion, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're currently 10th in yards, or excuse me, 10th in points per game, 15 in points per game against again kind of similar to Seattle where The stats don't really jump off like crazy but i just believe in this team i like what they've done in the draft josh allen a guy who's been extremely productive to start out the year and no one's really talked about him darius williams still back there in the secondary really like that and i just think trevor lawrence and doug peterson are a really good match and they could still be getting better in this offense obviously they've had flashes we saw those flashes against the colts this past week where they're pretty balanced travis Etienne, travis Yes, Travis. Uh, (laughs) ETN has been playing really, really well and is a broken tackle machine along the ground. He's also dynamic once you get in space. Not only is he a strong runner and he can break a lot of tackles, but he has legitimate breakaway speed. Um, And again, I just like a lot of these pieces that they have along this team. Really good young team that could still be getting better. Obviously won a playoff game this past year. And I still don't think they get enough credit for what they've been doing. Jacksonville makes it at the number 10 spot. This is where I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me and maybe I should have flipped 9 and 10 in perspective, but fuck it, dude. Number 9 Cincinnati Bengals, they've looked a lot more like themselves the past couple of weeks. Joe Burrow getting healthier and healthier. Now they're going into a bye week. I expect them to come out of that bye week as healthy as they looked all season long. Of course, it is going to be their biggest test. They do play the San Francisco 49ers. If I'm not mistaken, I'm looking up their, their schedule right now as we speak, um, or it's just not going to pop up. That's so cool. Acting like I'm trying to make a bookmark. Yes, they do play the San Francisco 49ers. And if I'm not mistaken, it is after a buy. Yes it is. So they do have a this next week and then they go into San Francisco. That's obviously going to be their toughest test of the entirety of the season. Um, But again, I just think maybe I'm delusional, maybe I'm way too high on Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, but that duo can take you very, very far, especially when their defense is playing as well as they finally did against Seattle this past week. Really, really good on those crucial downs, such as third down and the red zone. I mentioned it earlier. so i think that's just so important to getting their identity back joe burrow finally looking more comfortable in this offense and they're buying into his strengths getting the ball out of his hand quickly um i want to see more out of the run game from this team but i love trey hendrickson i love sam hubbard i love bj hill a lot of their pieces along the defensive line i still think are really good players didn't start the year very well but i really just think this team is getting its stride right now, I think the buy is going to help them tremendously. And I think we're going to see this team entirely differently once they get out of it. Of course, really tough task going into San Francisco and asking for a W, but I think if they can just prove that they can hang with them, that's going to be a huge, huge sign for the Cincinnati Bengals and their fan base. And I still just, again, maybe I'm delusional, maybe I'm too high on Joe Burrow, but it's Joe Burrow, dude. I'm not going to count this guy out. Jamar Chase is amazing, and. I've seen it in the past, so I'm not gonna count them out. And number eight, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore, they should be far better in points per game. They're only 15th in points per game, which I mean still isn't bad, you know. It's still technically above average. Or it's 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 average. But they should be <laughs> far above that if receivers didn't have some drops in some of these crucial games. They would be significantly higher than that. But their defense is really what's been playing so very well. Roquan Smith in particular, he's looking like he's having an all-pro season for them once again. And this is just a bend-but-don't-break defense. They have had some injuries um, along their entire roster, defensively and offensively. But at the end of the day, they're getting it done. They're getting wins. Got it done against the Titans, even though the Titans, you know, made them held their breath a second for for a little bit there in London, but at the end of the day, they're still winning football games. I expect their offense to get better with these receivers just being on the same page as Lamar Jackson, because the talent is there, the receivers themselves are really good. It's just a drops issue. And you expect that to, you know, regress a little bit back to the mean, you expect that to get better as the season goes on. And I still have to give them their credit when it's due. They're still winning football games. They're still looking like the best team in the AFC North right now. So. Number eight, Baltimore Ravens. I know they lost to the Steelers, but they there's just no way in hell they should have lost that game. I said it when that game happened. I'm saying it now. That was super fluky. If you replay it 10 times, you know, nine of the times, Baltimore probably ends up winning that game. At number seven, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Big statement win against the Chargers this past week. They're sixth in points per game, seventh in points per game against. Sorry if you can hear that bust outside my window, but we're just going to keep it rolling. Um, Yeah, I mean, again Dallas Cowboys we know what they are we know how good they can be defensively led by Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence defensive line in particular is really damn good but they just could beat you in a multitude of ways offensive line is still young and healthy maybe not young but they're healthy (laughs) I'll give him that Tyron Smith Zach Martin, those dudes have been doing it for a very, very long time. Tyler Smith in at guard has been having a fantastic season, second-year player out at of Tulsa. Really like that they moved into guard, didn't have to like throw him into tackle immediately and just throw him off to the wolves. But beyond that, Dallas is just one of those teams that, again, I still don't think they're a true contender, but... We know what they are they're a really really good regular season team their defense is extremely good when dak prescott is playing how he played against the charges this past week they're a really really hard team to beat he really is the biggest fact, x factor in this entire team because we know how talented they can be offensively it really just comes down to him and how he's looking if he's looking like how he looks against the san francisco 49ers you know this team is just average but if he's looking like how he did against the Chargers this is a team that can seriously beat anybody in the entirety of the league and again I just need to give credit where it's due the numbers don't lie six and points per game seventh points per game against Dallas Cowboys and number seven number six Buffalo Bills this is kind of similar to the Dak Prescott thing where this team goes how Josh Allen goes Josh Allen can legitimately look like the best player in all football at times he can legitimately look like He's playing with his head cut off out there. The difference is Josh Allen's ceiling is just higher than Dak Prescott's. That's not an argument at all in this one. Um, Their defensive line, I would say, is comparable. Uh, I still think the Dallas Cowboys secondary is better when you're comparing them, you know, apples to apples. I would still lean towards the Dallas Cowboys secondary there. But at the end of the day, again, it really just this team goes how Josh Allen goes. I love what they've done defensively along this defensive line. A.J. Epinesa really emerging as a dude along this defensive line. Give him a lot of credit. Von Miller coming back, doing his thing. Um, But again, this team really just goes how Josh Allen goes, and I'm really just going to leave it at that. But I still think they're, they're really talented. They still have a great home field advantage. Give me Buffalo Bills at number six. But I have the Detroit Lions ahead of him at number five, fourth in points per game, ninth in points per game against. Again, I just spent a long time talking about this team, so I'm not going to go too in depth to it. But I think Ben Johnson and Jared Goff on the exact same page right now love what they're doing offensively. Amara, St. Brown looking like just so unstoppable. It's one of those things where it's like the Travis Kelsey effect. It's like, how does that guy always end up open? How does he get this many targets? How does it work? Um, But again, I think a lot of that just has to do with Ben Johnson dialing things up, Jared Goff being comfortable back there. And this defense has taken massive strides this year. They were one of the worst in the entirety of the league, especially on the back end. They've improved greatly in that category. Um, Cam Sutton playing really, really well back there. Brian Branch, when he has been on the field, has looked excellent. Uh, Still can't believe that they got him all the way and pick 48 or whatever it was when they got him. That's just stupid to me um and a lot of the rookies have been playing really well a lot of their young players in general beyond rookies second year players third year players first year players a lot of those really young guys are playing really well which if you're a fan you've got to be super excited about because you know it says that this could be sustainable and they could be good for many years to come but one of the best offensive defensive line duos in the league and kind of similar to the eagles where it's like how do you want us to beat you because we can beat you in a multitude of ways. We can. Get after you in the pass rush we can run the ball down your throat on offense we can throw all over you because jared goff is dealing right now amara looks unguardable there's just a ton of different ways that the lions can win and i have them as the fifth best team in the entirety of the league right now number four i still have the philadelphia eagles i know they haven't quite looked like themselves this year and this jets game was not pretty in the slightest um but i still think they're going to be fine i still think they're getting better On the defensive side, particularly defensively, they're like middle of the road in terms of points per game right now. And in terms of yards and a lot of those stats, especially defending the pass, they're not doing very well in that regard. They're still doing a pretty damn good job along the ground. Um, As far as rushing defense, I still like what they're doing there. But that passing struggles, passing defensive struggles is not really entirely their fault. They've had a lot of injuries. James Bradbury, the only dude who was a starter in the Super Bowl for them a year ago, who started. Um, this past week against the New York Jets. So once they get some of those guys back, I think they're going to be fine in that regard. And I just still believe in the talent. I believe in the coaching staff. I love their defensive line. Obviously, you know how much I've been talking about Jalen Carter. I've been talking about him, you know, since the draft process started, he is one of my favorite players in the entirety of the league as far as just talent goes. Um, Obviously don't know him as a dude and he has some controversies there. So I won't speak on his character, Uh, but either way, Really, really damn good offensive line. I'm not too worried about the Lane Johnson injury. It sounds like they aren't either. So I'm not too concerned about that. And I still think, you know, they're deserving of being a top four team in the league. Number three, the Miami dolphins, uh, still first in points per game by a whole ass touchdown. They're at least seven points ahead of the second place team, which is the San Francisco 49ers. We'll get to them in a second. Obviously haven't mentioned them yet because they're ahead of the dolphins. But, I mean, I'm still trusting this Dolphins offense. I still love what Tua and Mike McDaniels are doing together. Obviously, Tyreek Hill off to historic pace. It does hurt that Devon A-Chain is out because he is legit dynamite for this offense. But Raheem Mostert, still very, very capable. Obviously, leading the league in touchdowns. So, you know, that speaks for itself. Um, I still want to see more from their defense, but again, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. I'm just trusting Vic Fangio. I think they're going to get it together sooner rather than later. I like a lot of their pieces a lot. Still believe in Bradley Chubb. Still really, really like Jalen Phillips out of the University of Miami. Um, you know, obviously staying home there and playing for Miami. And I still think this secondary is really good. I can't wait till Jalen Ramsey's back. It sounds like he's on track to be coming back at the end of, I don't think this month. What week would it be this month yeah no that makes sense he he should be on track to be back by the end of this month because that'd be week eight yeah that makes sense um so again i think they're going to improve in that regard i still want to see more there but with this offense looking this dynamic it's just really really hard to stop and i don't really see a lot of teams doing it obviously buffalo did it a couple weeks ago but again i mentioned it early in the episode you get miami down in miami against buffalo I don't know if they're going to be able to do it again, especially knowing how just creative and good at adjustments Mike McDaniel is. That's really the only argument I have for them being at number three. Number two, I have the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, I hear you. They don't really have the quite explosive element they've had in their passing game in the past few years. But, I mean, it's Andy Reid, it's Mahomes, it's Travis Kelsey. I don't even know what else to say. Actually, one more thing I do know what to say is they're also second in points per game against right now. This is legitimately a top five defense in the league right now. They're not getting home too often on sacks, but George Karloftis and Chris Jones leading the way down, down there, they're still getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. Their secondary is playing really, really well, led by Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie two absolute studs back there even mike edwards at the free safety position has been playing really well really well for them so this is a little bit of a different chiefs team than we've seen in the past because the defense is i don't want to say leading the way but you know they're definitely playing their role and helping the chiefs you know get a lot of these victories they're playing very very well i will say that and of course Even though we don't see the same explosive passing game we've seen in the years past from mahomes and this offense it's still andy Reid. he still knows how to scheme guys open just as well as any coach in the entirety of the nfl probably up there with shanahan and mike mcdaniels just as far as pure scheme standpoint and what he's able to do for an offense and making the job easier on a quarterback and mahomes and him are just always on the same page it's so impressive what this team is able to do and Again, there's really just not a whole lot of weaknesses along this offense, along this team as a whole, but I still would say the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the league. I have them in number one. I know that they're coming off of an L, but hey, the Chiefs lost earlier this year. Technically they have the same record now. And I still just, I would like to see, you know, more of the Niners struggling the way they did before I bump them down a spot. Maybe if these injuries were longer lasting, like if Debo was missing a few weeks or Trent was missing a few weeks or McCaffrey was missing a few weeks whatever, whatever it is. Maybe I would have bumped them lower, but because they're not, I really just can't put them any lower than this. Um, Again, weather played a factor in this one. At the end of the day, they still had an opportunity to win it against a very, very elite defense and defensive line in the Cleveland Browns. And the stats don't lie. They're still first in points per game against. They're still second in points per game as a team. Uh, There's just I don't even know what else to say. You guys already know exactly what I'm going to say. You know, possibly the best defense in the league, defensive line out of this, out of their minds, can stop the run effectively, really good against the pass as well. And Brock Purdy and the boys are just dealing on offense. Kyle Shanahan, possibly the best offensive play caller in the entirety of the NFL. Maybe not situationally, but just as like, maybe I shouldn't say play caller, maybe more like play designer. He's probably the best in the entirety of the league because frankly, I think situationally he can be, A little too cute sometimes and just maybe get a little ahead of himself um but either way san francisco 49ers still got to give them the credit where it's due they're still the the best team in the nfl in my opinion but that's going to do it for me guys i hope you did enjoy this episode if you did be sure to share this with your friends and family you follow me here on spotify or apple music wherever you listen to this episode also be sure to go follow me on instagram at murphys league i appreciate each and every single one of y'all have a great one and peace out